You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Well, today we are going to be doing kind of what we did yesterday. We're going to be looking at training camp day two. Um, there are less around the NFL, NFC, North notes. So I'm going to start with that, get that out of the way, and then we'll kind of roll into what we got for the Green Bay Packers. And if there's any time, a little bit of something else that I wanted to mention. Now, I'm still kind of, I'm sitting down here, I'm gathering up all my notes, and I'm waiting on a couple updates I have not seen yet, so we'll probably just have to roll with the information we have for now and um, provide updates as they come, especially for the Chicago Bears, two kind of big updates I'm waiting on as far as uh, whatever, things that happened. But again, let's just go with what we got. Um, Detroit Lions for the training camp for today, Jeff Okuda. Trying to just follow the big storylines, essentially, because what happens with some of these battles has a big impact on what happens to us. We are rooting against Jeff Okuda, flat out. This guy was drafted so early because he has such rare talent, and we don't ever want him to find that talent. As of right now, he's still fighting for that number one job. I mentioned yesterday he's rotating in and out. He and former safety Will Harris, they swapped, uh, he swapped from safety to corner. They're still battling and taking turns for that essentially number two cornerback spot on the boundary. So two days in, he's still kind of not really established himself as the true number two, even much less the number one. Um, Will Harris, I mentioned, was switched from safety to um, corner. In addition, Ifedi Melfonwu was switched from corner to safety. He's kind of just like a hybrid um, Swiss Army knife player, but that's another change that's taken place. Pretty big news about uh, their draft pick. Pass rusher Josh Paschal apparently had surgery. Uh, this was during OTAs. There's a 12-week recovery window generally for um, hernia surgery that I believe is what he had. So there's question about whether or not he will return during the offseason. There's also question about maybe he, he may start the season on PUP. So he may miss, you know, several weeks in the regular season as well. So um, don't know anything about Josh Paschal in terms of what he's going to be as a player, but it's always a bad thing when you don't really get an opportunity to learn how to play football before you kind of get thrust out there. Uh, DJ Chark, wide receiver, seems like he's going to be the quote-unquote X receiver, sort of their number one. I know that seems surprising with Amon Ra doing what he did, but I think it's more of a function thing. Um, Amon Ra was kind of their slot guy, and they got Jamison Williams, who's sort of the speed guy. So you got Jamison, that's sort of going to be the MVS. DJ Chark is going to be the Devontae Adams, and Amon Ra is going to be, I guess, Randall Cobb, with the obvious difference being their their number one in terms of who their best receiver is, is probably going to be um, Amon Ra St. Brown. And so what'll happen is when they have two wide receivers, it'll probably be Chark and Amon Ra or Jamison Williams and Amon Ra. 
But when they have three wide receivers out there, Chark is your X. Jameson is, I don't know what, what you call the position. It doesn't matter. But that's that's the layout. So Chark is, is expected to be that guy. And I guess it's a different role for him because he's used to being sort of the MVS on the outside. He's a big, tall, fast guy. But in Detroit, they're like, well, we already got a big, tall, fast guy. So I guess you're <laughs> going to be changing roles and learning how to run routes like a big boy and whatnot. So we'll see how that goes. And on the injury front, fullback Jason Cabinda was placed on the pup list uh, yesterday. And then today, Greg Bell went down, uh, undrafted free agent rookie uh, running back. So I don't know the extent of the injury, but uh, apparently it was a quote-unquote tough scene. He needed to be transported off and everything. So that's not fun. The Vikings training camp I don't think has even started yet. They keep doing these late training camps, and it really annoys me. So there's not a ton of news other than you know stuff from yesterday. There's a ton of reports. Their GM has come out and been like, oh, my bad, man. I didn't really mean that. I was talking about like theoretical stuff, and you guys took it out of context. But I don't really care, man. It was a funny clip. We ran with it and laughed at you because you're stupid, and um, that's it. And now now I'm ready to move on. I don't, I don't need 17 apologies. However, the one note that I did see from yesterday that I missed was that Lewis Seen, I mentioned how um, Booth, the cornerback that they drafted, had real high praise, and then day one he picks off Kirk Cousins, so he's, he's continuing on with that. Uh, Lewis Seen, however, the safety is running with the twos right now. That obviously can change in time, but he has not exactly uh, burst onto the scene the same way that Andrew Booth has. And then for the Chicago Bears, I'll start with something positive for the Bears, and they didn't mention it, so it must have been kind of one of those things where they're only talking about the good and not the bad, because when you look at all the the reviews, like who are the best players and all this stuff, nobody's really bragging about Justin Fields having a great day, but all the reports that I saw, it looked like Justin Fields had a great day. Great passes, on target, um, all this different stuff, so sounds like he had a pretty good day. Again, it wasn't obviously this elite day or you would not hear anything else but Justin Fields looks like a star but it seemed like a decent enough day um the receivers on the other hand were absolutely terrible to the point that offensive coordinator Luke Getze was um kind of kind of heated about the wide receivers and the lack of execution a massive amount of drops there was a pick by Justin Fields apparently was off the hands of Nikhil Harry I don't know if it was maybe a slightly off target pass but um it was drop after drop after drop by the receivers mentioned yesterday their second round rookie Kyler Gordon was playing some in the slot it looks like he's doing that more again this is another thing that I'm kind of rooting for because I'm sorry just like with Jair remember when we drafted him I said he's probably going to be a slot guy but if who knows if he's really good maybe they'll put him on the boundary and he can be one of those kind of hybrid guys turns out he's so good we don't ever put him in the slot the Bears don't really have great corners and Make no mistake, what they really wanted to have happen here was Jalen Johnson is our number one, and he takes a third step in his third year and becomes a really good corner. And then we get Kyler Gordon, and he's really good, and we got these two really good boundary corners. That is not how these things are developing. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with having a good slot guy, but they did not draft Kyler Gordon in the second round because he's a really good slot guy. And I don't know how it's going to pan out, but they're putting him there a lot. And... um Again, it's just another thing that I'm absolutely rooting for. Um, everything else is is super positive. One of them is negative, but positive kind of thing. You know, you don't root for injuries, obviously, but um, it, it doesn't help the Bears, which is nice. Uh, Lucas Patrick, former Green Bay Packer, now Chicago Bears center, apparently was injured. Uh, he was carted off the field, but it wasn't, it wasn't like that. Apparently, he did walk under his own um, power, but it's a long walk back to the training facility, so they brought a cart around for him, but 
No updates. That's one of the things I've been looking for is an update on Lucas Patrick. I don't know what's going on with him. But um, the next man up was their sixth round rookie. And the amount of late round rookies and second year players that are playing or are very close to playing on this offensive line shows that not only is it a terrible offensive line, but the depth is just, there's no depth whatsoever. The next note is about, and I talked about it uh, yesterday, was their left tackle situation. I thought when they brought in Riley Reef, it's like, all right, they solved that. Never mind, they're not going to have the worst offensive line. He still hasn't won that job. Braxton Jones, who was there, again, I don't remember if it's, let me just look, it's right here. Left tackle, fifth round pick, is still holding on to that job. They're rotating between he and Riley Reef, but Riley Reef has not taken that. On top of that, Michael Schofield, the right guard that they brought in, has still not secured the job over Sam Mustafer, who is a terrible offensive lineman. That I still think it's going to happen. I think Michael Schofield will be the right guard and Riley Reef will be the left tackle. But as of right now, they have not been able to win those jobs. So, I mean, most of, if you look at the recaps and everything, who really stood out and who did well, it's third string, fourth string guys that I've never heard of before. There's a guy talking about um, how good Nasimba Webster was. He was the, the standout of camp. Like, are you serious? Who is that? So... Overall, if Justin Fields had a good day, I guess you count it as a good day, but every other thing was just bad. The wide receivers are looking bad. The offensive line, you got injuries, you got guys not winning jobs like you want. Your your rookie uh, cornerback is being thrust into... Oh, and there's one more note um, that I'm waiting on a development for, and it's Tevin Jenkins, the guy that they drafted in the second round that they thought was going to be the starting left tackle that got moved to right tackle that is now bumped off of left uh, right tackle, who is now second string right tackle behind fifth and sixth round players. He wasn't at practice. There's no report of an injury. They don't know. Nobody really knows at this point what's going on with Tevin Jenkins or where he is. There was a sighting. Apparently, somebody saw him in Hallis Hall 45 minutes prior to uh, training camp, but he did not go out on the field. So very interested to find out what's going on with him. In other sort of NFL news, Mitch Trubisky, we were all kind of, I was rooting for Mitch Trubisky. Sounds like he's just having a horrible time out there in Pittsburgh. He's playing like garbage. So the dreams of him going out and being a great football player, we could all laugh at the Bears for being stupid. Kind of seems like that's not necessarily materializing. Um, Leonard Fournette isn't fat anymore. And Ryan Jensen, center for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, um, he was carted off the field. So it's not a great scene for him. Um or for Tampa Bay, Ryan Jensen is a quality offensive lineman, and Tampa Bay has always, Tom Brady has always had good offensive lines to work behind, and losing a high-quality, long-time center for Tampa Bay is not going to be a good good way to start um, the season. I don't know, obviously, how long he's going to be out, but it sounded bad. He wasn't able to get up. He needed a cart, and apparently threw his helmet, which is generally not a good indication of what he thinks is going on. Anyways, as promised, I want to go through this a little bit differently than I did yesterday. Um, rather than going person by person, which can get confusing, I want to go in order of the things as they happened. So uh, again, shout out to all the people that took the notes for me, because that's what we're going to be running through. If you want a more... See, I got to figure out if I want to do that as far as the Substack writing that as well. So what I have right now, if you're interested in looking at it, is... Every single football player and where I see them being ranked, and I put them into tiers because that just kind of made the most sense, but sort of like cornerback one, cornerback two, cornerback three, wide receiver one, two, three, four, five. And then every single time there's a a training camp, I'll make those adjustments and I'll say why. So Dobbs got bumped up a, a tier because of how well he's playing right now, for example. We'll get to that in a minute. So that's what I have right now. I have to 
try to figure out maybe it'll be like a later thing where I round up how players are doing through whatever. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Anyways, we'll start off some notes from uh, Matt LaFleur. And if you could not refresh Twitter, that would be fantastic. So I don't have to keep scrolling every time. So the first thing referring to Quay Walker, he says, quote, he's a talented dude. He loves ball. He attacks it the right way. The thing that I noticed about this is there was an earlier quote from Matt LaFleur about Romeo Dobbs. And, and the quote about Romeo Dobbs was, hey, anybody can do it one day. And when they ask about Quay, it's like, this dude is, he's a freak, dude. It's so crazy. <laughs> it just kind of goes to what I was talking about with, they're not messing around with Quay. They're, this is, you will be the day one starter. They, they need him. They want him. They're obsessed with him. They love the guy. Everybody else has got to earn it. Christian Watson's got to earn it. Romeo Dobbs has got to earn it. Um, the, the offensive lineman, Sean Ryan, Zach Tom, they got to earn it. Devontae Wyatt has got to earn it. Quay? No, you, you are the guy. You will be the guy. That's, we're not even discussing this. Um, asked about Jake Hansen getting right guard snaps. He mentioned that he's a guy that's consistently improved since Matt LaFleur, or since uh, Jake Hansen has been there. He did mention you're going to see a lot of shuffling here and there, but the, the same could be said. One of the, well, I won't spoil it, but there was a big surprise at somebody playing some position. And, you know, the, the one thought that a lot of people had was, well, you were told that it was going to be shuffled a lot. Right, but they don't shuffle it randomly. It's not like they put the names in a hat and shake up the hat and pull names out and go, okay, you're up next. They're putting people where they really want to see them. So they're not just putting Jake Hansen there because they're bored. They put Jake Hansen at right guard because they really like him as a right guard. That doesn't mean he's going to win the job, but they started with him at right guard for a reason. Not, it's not random. Uh, one of the things that he elaborated on that will change or, or that you're going to see that's very interesting that I certainly did not have on my bingo card is they said John Runyon would be taking some snaps at center, something that I didn't really know that he did a lot of. And so when I looked it up, he has not taken any center snaps in the regular season. However, in the preseason last year, he actually did take some reps at center um, 13 times, which is about on par with what he did at right guard 17 times. They did play him there. Which again is just it's straight. He didn't take a single snap uh, at center while he played for Michigan. Sixteen hundred snaps at left tackle, twenty six at left guard, forty five at right guard, ninety nine at right tackle, and they they're trying to push him to center. It's just I mean, whatever. <laughs> I mean, they, these guys know offensive line and they know when a guy is is built for it and and has the qualities that you like for it. It's just it's just strange to me. But I dig it, man. Get the most out of them. Also kind of makes me wonder if it has something to do with the amount of guards that we have, you know, like we really like John Runyon and we really don't want him to uh, no longer be on the offensive line. However, we like Royce and we have Sean Ryan and we like Zach Tom and Jake Hansen apparently is a good guard. So we got to keep our options open. Let's see what John can do. There's also the, the point of him being a really good pass blocker, not a great run blocker. I don't know why moving inside by the nose tackles would help, but the point is he's got a certain style, so maybe it's, I don't know, I don't know, but it's interesting. And yeah, then they, you got the note here about uh, Romeo Dobbs. Anybody can do something one day. It's about consistency. <laughs> like, I don't know, it's just kind of funny how they do that sometimes. Um, the first note about the offensive line, the starting offensive line. Zach Tom, left tackle. John Runyon, left guard. Josh Myers, center. Royce Newman, right guard. Yash Nijman, right tackle. Now, again, yes, they're going to be mixing stuff up. But keep in mind, Zach Tom was second team left tackle yesterday. And the determination as of today was let's see what he can do with first team. We can say it's just completely random if we want, 
but that's some pretty rapid movement, especially when you have Yash at right tackle. They moved Yash off of his left tackle spot to right tackle so that Zach Tom could be the left tackle. I'm sorry, I'm just not going to, I'm not going to pretend that doesn't mean anything. (laughs) And then Newman was bumped back inside so that we could have Yash over at right tackle. Again, we're going to try a lot of different combinations. Zach Tom's probably not going to be there again because they want to try somebody else and they want to try a different combination. But what they want to do first makes a big difference to me, to I think the team, to should be to you too. And then on the defensive line, got some clarity that the starting defensive line is Lowry, Clark, and Reed. That was um, apparently what it was. I don't know who it was that said that that wasn't the starting defensive line, but whatever. That is, as expected, the starting defensive tackle group, Lowry, Clark, and Reed. Next note, Rodgers to Lazard over the middle, slightly behind, but a really nice adjustment on the catch. Lazard keeps his momentum going. Then you got Wes Hodkowitz says, the line change with the twos, but Tom stays in for reps at left tackle. So they changed it up. They pulled out the ones, they put in the twos, and they said, Zach, you stay out there. They're giving him a lot of work at left tackle. A lot. He was left tackle for the second team yesterday. He was left tackle for first team today. He was left tackle for second team today. I'm sure it wasn't the whole time, but again, we're trying to rotate. We're trying to see a lot of things. Why is he spending so much time there? Shouldn't we give someone else a turn? I don't know. Maybe it's because they really want to see the guy there. Then finally, we got the news, or I got the news I've been waiting for. By the way, the Zach Tom thing is also getting me excited because I was a huge Zach Tom fan. I've been waiting for a long time for this as well. Beautiful rep by Devontae Wyatt. Took on the double team from Tom and tight end, set the edge, got in the backfield, and made the stop. So multiple things, and he was double teamed. Love it. I'm excited. Now, now he's got his first win. Keep it going. Former Badger offensive lineman Cole Van Lannan was the number two right tackle and is working with a left guard uh, with the threes. Again, I kind of parsed all this out and kind of have how I think the depth chart sets up as a result of all this in the article if you're interested. Note from Ross Uglum, much more of a defensive feel in team today. They're flying around. So the, the theme of today, spoiler alert, defense won the day. Yesterday was offense, today is defense. Beautiful play by Ento, came over the top of Toure legally and almost came up with a pick off of Etling. Really nice pass breakup. That's a good play, but also really important because if you remember from yesterday, the two notes on KB and Ento were Toure with a catch from Etling, probably should have been broken up by Ento. Romeo Dobbs just mossed KB and Ento on a jump ball from Etling. Very big wild play from 87. So he just got wrecked twice. So first play from Ento today is a real good play for him. Then another really fun note here says, Sean Ryan and Devontae Wyatt with a fun heavyweight stalemate on a run. Fun matchup there. That would be fun to see. Wyatt and Sean Ryan locking horns. Dang. Uh, Eversall says, if the offense won day one, I'd say the defense is winning in the first quarter of day two. I was followed up by Ross Uglum saying the offense looked a little lost in that first team period. Smoke route and a quick throw from Love to a completely unsuspecting Osiris Mitchell. The newbie not quite on the same page uh, with everything yet. Garvin is back, but Hamilton and Galea remain the number two tandem at outside linebacker. This one kind of surprised me as well because I did not really expect any of this. I thought it would be Randy, uh, Randy Ramsey and, and Jonathan Garvin. I mean, you know, eventually. But the fact that Garvin came back and Hamilton and whatever his name is, are the number two. Number twos? It's pretty surprising. Also, an Agbar not mentioned either. Not yet. We'll see. Just worth noting. Next note says, nice read by Lowry and a tight end screen to DeGuara. And then big time collision between Dobbs and Savage on a slant. And guess who held on? Dobbs with an impressive concentration catch. I think both players are okay. That was a big collision. 
both went for the ball. So it's 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 fun to picture that. Not fun, horrifying, but but also fun. Because you know that you've seen these before. And 95 times out of 100, the ball is going to hit the ground. The receiver gets sort of the simultaneous ball hits your hands, safety hits you in the face. To be able to catch it and go down and still hold on to the ball is pretty awesome. Next note says, Lowry just blew up the, a pitch on the next play. This is in re- uh, reference to Herman's tweet, the one before, that said, nice read by Lowry on a tight end screen to DeGuara. So back-to-back plays, Dean Lowry blew up. Rashawn Gary offsides, free play. Rodgers takes the free play and throws one well behind Dobbs. Would have been insanely difficult catch. Probably wouldn't call it a drop. Tips off his hands and Amos picks it off, which is nice, but it negates the uh, offsides, negates the pick. False start by Tyler Davis goes uncalled and he makes a catch on a nice comeback route. Great pass breakup by Sean Davis, intended for Mack from Love, was in the end zone. Defense celebrates. Rodgers adjusting protection, getting the snap off and hitting Winfrey and stride on a crosser. Going to have to get used to that last part. Winfrey continuing his good day from day one. Really nice pass protection from CVL, Cole Van Lannan against Enigbar. Am I saying that right? Enigbar. Nag. Nagging. Got this nagging toothache. There's this nagging lady at the bar. It's a bar full of nags. I'm in the nag bar. Got it. My friend in Apro <laughs> drives a Prius. Nice drag route from Rogers to Winfrey from an, for a nice pickup. Nice pass pro from Yash against Gary. Gary would be sack on Rogers against Yash. So the very next play, Gary wins that battle. By the way, that's the last time you're going to hear Rashawn Gary lost anything. <laughs> Uh, Paul Bredel wanted, or Bredel wanted to um, elaborate on the play by safety Sean Davis when he got the pass deflection. He mentions that um, Davis was running as safety three during OTAs and minicamp, so that's something to keep an eye on as well. Wes Hodkowitz says, haven't tweeted it yet, but Rashawn Gary has looked like a monster off the edge the past two days, powerful and explosive. Dobbs versus Stro- Stokes is growing into must-see TV. Really fun battle in team stuff. Rashawn Gary just walked Yash into 12's lap. Gary seems to do that a lot to tackles. Defense dominates a red zone period. Only third down conversion was a pass to Cobb, but that was probably a sack by Gary. <laughs> it's funny how many times you hear Rashawn Gary's name. It's almost like he's monitoring Twitter and he saw somebody put out a bad tweet about him and then he just wrecked everybody's world after that. Tyler Goodson is so smooth catching the ball. Just had a nice catch in the flat and then brought it upfield. He may have been able to get in the end zone, but would have been close. So that's that's two days. Not a lot of notes, but that's two days back-to-back for Tyler Goodson getting some positive, uh, positive press. And then we got Andy Herman saying, OMG, Romeo just got mossed, just mossed Stokes on a red zone fade. Dude is balling. So that's two days in a row we've seen Romeo Dobbs, quote-unquote, mossed somebody. And it's Eric Stokes. Now, I'm not saying Stokes is Jair. I'm not saying Stokes is, is you know, Jalen Ramsey or whatever. But he ain't bad, and Dobbs is making him look stupid. <laughs> he goes on to say, it took Romeo Dobbs all of two training camp days to realize he can hang with the ones in the NFL. We'll see if he can continue in pads and when games start, but wow, what a start. Ryan Wood says, it's been really interesting when Romeo Dobbs puts the pads on. He's been raising stupid He's been raising eyebrows early in camp, including a great catch in the end zone over Eric Stokes on a back shoulder throw from Aaron Rodgers. The MVP might be building something with the rookie already. That's the other thing to keep an eye on, too. Again, with Watson and Watkins out, Dobbs is getting a lot of opportunities. Rodgers is getting a lot of time with Romeo Dobbs, and they're starting to build a little bit of a rapport. And dude, if you can start hitting back shoulders, 
I mean, you know, maybe it wasn't exactly as Rodgers wanted it to be, but if he's throwing you back shoulder fades and you're coming down with the ball over Eric Stokes, I promise you whether or not it was on his face, somewhere deep down in the back of his brain, Rodgers was smiling. Next note says, now Rodgers hits Cobb on an out for a touchdown on third and four. That also was against Stokes, but uh, the next note says, Stokes hasn't exactly gotten beat badly either. Rodgers just sees a window that doesn't exist. So it sounds like he's been in everybody's hip, hip pocket, but Rodgers is just hitting these throws kind of perfect, and Stokes is not quite in position, quite perfect enough to be able to break any of these up. Uh, Jordan Love to Danny Davis for a touchdown. Davis had uh, acclimated himself very nicely for a UDFA. Could be a prime practice squad candidate. I think he's I think he's pretty well got that locked up. I think he and Samori Ture, in my mind, are pretty locked up as practice squad wide receivers. Could be wrong. Great play action by Love on a rollout, and then lofted, then a lofted lob that floated in the air perfectly for Tyler Davis. Touchdown in the red zone. Defensive coverage had amped up in red zone big time. Hamilton and Slayton probably had love for a sack. Rico Gafford with a big hit on Tyler Davis. Offense wasn't a fan of that. Nice blitz by Chris Barnes and a quick pass rush by Devontae Wyatt for a pressure on love. Just keep telling me about Devontae Wyatt, man. There's, I don't know if there's too many things that right now that are getting me excited like Devontae Wyatt highlights. Just tell me he got a pressure. That's all I need. Love to Mac for a touchdown with Vernon Scott in coverage. Very few Jair highlights because nobody is dumb enough to throw at Jair, just completely shut down, which is true. And I thought about that. I hadn't heard a single thing about Jair, and I, I filled in the gaps that it was probably a good sign, but I was hoping somebody could fill me in, so I'm glad that we got that update. And then finally, Romeo Dobbs with another touchdown ho-hum. That is how training camp ended with yet another Romeo Dobbs highlight, Romeo Dobbs touchdown. By the way, keep in mind, Al Lazard is on the field. As I said, Lazard is our number one guy. Now, granted, he's probably going up against Jair, so that sucks for him. But Randall Cobb, Romeo Dobbs, Mercedes Lewis, Tyler Davis, Amari Rogers, Josiah DeGuara, Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, they're all on the field. I have not heard a single AJ or Aaron Jones highlight. I've heard one A.J. Dillon run highlight. Lazard had one early today and kind of, kind of a big day yesterday. Randall has got like one touchdown. Otherwise, it's Dobbs, 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 Dobbs. The biggest mismatch in this entire uh, training camp right now is Dobbs against Stokes. In fact, if I was the if I were the coaches, I would switch it up. I'd put Jair on Dobbs. Let's let's crank up the intensity for Romeo and see what he can do. Because I'll tell you right now, if he starts mossing Jair, I'm gonna freak out. I don't care if it's training camp. I don't care if there's no pads in existence anywhere within a quarter mile. I'm going to freak out. <laughs> Anyways, that's it. We ripped through that pretty quickly so we can actually move on to some other stuff, which is nice because this gets to be a little repetitive. It's exciting and I love it, but it does start to feel a little weird when you're just reading tweets for like three weeks straight. But anyways, why don't we take a break here? Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy if you'd like to support the podcast. If you want to participate in Packernet After Dark, please call in 608-501-0718. You can call and leave a message and... Uh, just, you know, have a good old time. It gets weird over there, man. So whatever you want to do, it's pretty wide open. But why don't we take a break? We'll be right back. Hey, U.S. Cellular customers, I've got good news. So don't hit skip forward just yet. I'm talking about their special customer event, Us Days. What's Us Days? It means exclusive offers just for their customers, just to say thanks, like up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. No, I didn't just misread that. That's up to $1,200 off. They must really like you. Us Days at U.S. Cellular, exclusive offers just for you, just to say thanks. 
Right now, U.S. Cellular customers get up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. Terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. So I was listening to a podcast while I was making some food in the kitchen and whatnot, because, you know, not having noise is is horrible. And I was listening to the Ringer NFL show, and they've got... um, a guy, I don't know who he is because I don't listen to it all that often, but he was making some bold predictions. And one of them, the one that he started off with, is the Minnesota Vikings winning the NFC North. And essentially, they spent most of their time talking about why the Packers wouldn't win the NFC North. And and a couple of the points they made, and I, you know, again, I'm not even mad about the prediction. Just get everything correct. Don't say silly stuff. You know, like one of the things they mentioned is how the, the he he doesn't buy into the defense because a lot of it had to do with interceptions. I'm sorry. I, I understand the regression thing. I've been talking about Razul and Devondre Campbell and regression, but let's, let's also take a minute to be serious about this. What we're talking about in terms of a, reduc- a reduction in turnovers from Razul, he had five interceptions. Five. I'm not saying interceptions aren't important, and obviously when you have a game-winning walk-off interception against Arizona, you can clearly see why that would make a big difference in, in your record and in a game and whatnot. But generally speaking, how many games do we lose if Razul gets one or two interceptions this year, as opposed to five? You know what I mean? Even if you bake that into the cake that Razul only gets one interception, so what? So what? The, the whole team is going to fall off a cliff because Razul doesn't get five interceptions? How many games do we win because Razul got five interceptions? Beyond that, it's, it's completely unfair to look at the team and say, well, Razul is going to have three less interceptions and Devondre Campbell won't be quite as good of a linebacker and not even mention that we got Quay Walker to possibly pick up whatever slack may be left over with Devondre falling off a little bit. Didn't even mention Quay Walker. Didn't even mention the fact that Razul might be taking a step back, but we have... Um, Eric Stokes going into year two, and Jair Alexander, who missed the entire year coming back. That doesn't even come up. When you're looking at the cornerback group overall, you're saying Razul Douglas might get three less interceptions, and that isn't counteracted by Eric Stokes going into year two and Jair coming back for a full year when he didn't play last year. Not even going to mention that, huh? Not even going to mention the addition of Devontae Wyatt or Jerron Reed. Not going to mention year two of this system. 
So, you know, again, I, I have made those exact points. But to say that because of those two things, the defense is overrated and there's no reason to believe that they're actually going to be that good is silly. And I don't know that they're going to be great, but don't make completely biased points without offering up the, the, the counterpoints because you're just not being serious. That would be like saying the offensive line is clearly going to get worse this year because they lost uh, Billy Turner and he played a lot of right tackle snaps. And we're just ignoring the part where David Bakhtiari is coming back and Elton Jenkins will be here when he missed half the season. And the fact that we drafted Zach Tom and Sean Ryan and Royce Newman's going into year two. And by the way, Roy, Josh Myers is coming back also. You know what I mean? You can mention Billy Turner leaving, but if you're making the case that the offensive line is getting worse, you have to take all of it into account. And if you take all of it into account, you're an idiot. You're an idiot if your conclusion is the offensive line is going to get worse because Billy Turner left. But I think the the biggest annoyance I had was this um, real hot take that he had about the wide receivers. And what he said was, essentially, it's not just that, you know, their number one receiver is leaving. Devontae Adams, he said, had three times as many yards as any other Packers wide receiver. Now, I'm going to pause here and see if anybody else can see what exactly is wrong with that line of thinking. Fully acknowledging Devontae is a very talented wide receiver, but what is wrong with the general thought that the current wide receivers, let's say Alan Lazard, was only one-third as good as Devontae Adams because he only got one-third of the amount of yards? Alan Lazard only got one-third of the... He only got his 500-some-odd yards because of Devontae. How can you not see that? You know, out, out in economics... There is what's known as the fixed pie fallacy, which is the idea that there's only a certain amount of money, and when somebody has a lot of it, that means they're taking it from somebody else. That isn't true. But in this instance, it is. There are a certain number of yards. And yes, there, there might be some variance in terms of there can be more yards if you have better wide receivers. So there may be less yards to go around with Devontae leaving. But generally speaking, because we've already gone over, gone over this, we've already looked at the numbers, there will be roughly the same amount of yards. Give or take maybe two or 300 yards. We're still dealing with 4,000 plus some odd yards to go around. It isn't true that we're going to have like three guys with 500 yards and Aaron Rodgers is going to finish the season with like 2,400 total passing yards. That's not going to happen. So to give this picture that they're only a third as good as Devontae because they only got a third of the amount of yards as Devontae and therefore this wide receiver room isn't just, you know, not as good without Aaron or without Devontae. They're putrid. They're horrible because look at how few yards they got. They got so few yards because Devontae got so many yards because Devontae's so good. And yes, by itself, that's true and that is a detriment. But you have to assume better production from our current wide receivers now that Devontae's gone. That stat is stupid. You don't need to bring it up because it's useless and provides no useful information moving forward. And then he just glossed over Christian Watson and Romeo. Oh, and then they spent like a second rounder on Christian Watson. Like, they, like it's so stupid. Lazard will get a lot more yards. And why are we just glossing over Christian? I know it's because you're just trying to make a point and you don't want there to be any counterpoints. You're just trying to avoid any and all counterpoints, clearly. But I think you should maybe look at the fact that they didn't invest in Christian Watson, because I'm sure you're looking at the fact that other teams invested in wide receivers and taking that very seriously. But Aaron Rodgers, who apparently has this giant vacuum that nobody is going to get more than 500 yards because they're so horrible, went out and got one of the most freakishly athletic wide receivers 
in football. He's going to play with back-to-back MVP Aaron Rodgers, but yet we're going to gloss over that as well. You're clearly just trying to be biased. And I'm not saying you're anti-Packers bias, but you're trying to make this hot take point. And what's annoying is when people try to buy into their own takes, and it's almost as if they don't believe it. Because if you believed it, why would you have to do all this? Why would you have to make things up? Why would you just ignore Christian Watson? Why would you ignore the very obvious reality that Lazard and Cobb and Watkins, Watson, whoever ends up being the one, two, three, four, five, these numbers go up with Devontae gone? Why would you ignore that? Why would you ignore Jair coming back when you're trying to attack the defense? Why would you ignore Stokes going into year two? Why would you ignore Quay Walker and Devontae Wyatt? And, and again, the weird part to me is, well, it's because he's trying to make his point, but why is that your point if you don't believe it? It's almost like they just have these dreams and they're like, I'm going to say this, and then they run with it. And then when, when they start running with it, they realize that a lot of their points are stupid, but they're too prideful to just turn around at this point. I don't know how else you arrive in these situations. How else do you show up in these situations? Other than, I didn't do my homework, I charged in full bore. And now that I have found out that I'm wrong, I can't change course because I'm on this big podcast and I'm being brought in as some kind of an analytics expert and I'm in trouble now and I I just, I can't change. So I'm just going to brush it off as though it doesn't happen and hope that they don't ask any questions, which of course, and the Ringer's supposedly a pretty big podcast. You know, they got a lot of thinkers on there and whatnot. Nobody brought up Jair. Nobody brought up any of this stuff. And just generally saying that the Packers are going to regress, not bringing up um, David Bakhtiari, Josh Myers, um, Elton Jenkins, Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, Sean Ryan, Zach Tom, Devontae Wyatt, Quay Walker, uh, Jair Alexander, Robert Tunyon, eventually. None of this is worthy of bringing up, apparently. The only thing that's worth bringing up is some weird point about the other wide receivers are as thir- uh, implying they're only one-third as good as Devontae because they're horrible. And the defense isn't actually that good because um, their number three cornerback, who is now being pushed into the slot, might not get as many picks. And Devondre Campbell is probably going to regress, which is probably true. But again, there's the whole Quay thing. But whatever, it's fine. That's it. That's all it takes for you to say that the Packers are going to fall off and the Vikings are going to win the entire NFC North. Which is also interesting because, again, they didn't spend a lot of time talking about why the Vikings are going to win the North. They spent a lot of time kind of joking about Kirk Cousins not being very good, but he's good enough. Talked about the offensive line being adequate, which is all it really needs to be is adequate, which I don't disagree that it's adequate, but it's the exact same offensive line that it was with maybe a better right guard. So it was adequate last year. You didn't mention that Adam Thielen's a year older and declining. Didn't feel like bringing that up. The fact that they've completely changed their defensive scheme, that a handful of their defensive linemen are gone. And I, again, I still don't exactly know what the plan is for Daniil Hunter, who is now listed as an outside linebacker. Nobody on planet Earth except me is looking at that going, I wonder if he's maybe not as good as an outside linebacker as he is a hand-in-the-dirt defensive end. I'm the only one that's curious about that. Okay, then. Zadarius Smith with his constant injuries. Nobody's interested in that. The defensive line having no pass rush ability. Okay. The complete joke of a cornerback group, uh, with the exception maybe of their second-round rookie being possibly adequate. Harrison Smith is 40 years old. They drafted Lewis Seen to come in. He's playing with the second team right now. We're just going to gloss over all this and assume that they, what, just magically get better? How do they get, they have to get better if they're going to win the North, right? How do they get better? They, they didn't even have a winning record last year. They were eight and nine. Explain it to me. Anyways, um, I think the final thing is I, I do want to touch on a couple 
things with the uh, the overall roster here because I, I do think a lot more is set than than isn't when you kind of factor in the injuries and whatnot. When we assume guys come back from injury, the offensive line, to my understanding, is David Bakhtiari, John Runyon, Josh Myers, Royce Newman, Eldon Jenkins. I don't really see that changing all that much with the possible exception that Royce Newman could lose that right guard spot, depending on how good of a job, for example, Sean Ryan does. But there hasn't really been any movement there to make it seem anything real. For example, the the biggest movement we've seen is Zach Tom at left tackle, and he's so far removed from being that guy. I mean, you got David Bakhtiari there. If David Bakhtiari goes down, Elton Jenkins goes there. If Elton Jenkins goes down, it's probably still Yash Nijman, but maybe that number three left tackle job could be up for debate. You know what I mean? So as far as the starters go, I think it's more or less locked in stone, but we got to keep an eye on the guard spots. Tight end is interesting, but I don't know that there's anything really super shocking to keep an eye on. You got Robert Tunyon, who's going to be that premier receiving option. Mercedes Lewis is going to be the blocking guy. Josiah DeGuara is going to be your H-back. That is what it is, and that's really probably not going to change. It's a question of how often uh, does Tyler Davis get used and in what capacity, which is actually kind of interesting when I looked at it. He actually isn't really used a lot like Robert Tunyon was, although he's not really used like anybody else. If anything, he's more of a Josiah DeGuara, but he's like an inline receiving tight end. Mercedes Lewis is a blocker. Robert Tunyon is 50% from the slot type of a receiving tight end. Josiah DeGuara, his, his hallmark, or the one way I can kind of check to see that they're similar, is the amount of snaps he gets in the backfield. He and Dominique Daphne are the two guys that kind of fit that H-back criteria based on how much usage they get out of the backfield. Tyler Davis is not used in the backfield. He's not a 50% from the slot guy. He's not a pure blocking guy. He is an inline receiver. So it is kind of interesting, and I'll be interested to see, do they use him more in the slot with Robert Tunyon being out? Uh, assuming he doesn't play week one, or is that what he's going to be doing, or are we going to use him slightly differently? But again, otherwise, it's pretty well set in stone in my mind. Obviously, quarterback is set up, running back is interesting, but it's going to be Jones and Dylan. Wide receiver is the area that seems a little bit more right, wide open. We can assume Randall Cobb has locked in the slot spot. I, I don't see any reason to believe Amari is going to take that job from him. I haven't heard his name more than I think once. And I think Lazar does have that number one job locked up. However, beyond that, and I just got done telling you, Romeo Dobbs, we need to lower our expectations. But with Sammy Watkins and Christian Watson out, and, and again, I th- Sammy's supposed to be back really soon. And that may throw a wrench in all Romeo Dobbs' plans because obviously he's going to get thrust into a pretty prominent role, I would assume. Although I don't know how you can stick Romeo Dobbs with second team corners at this point with him destroying Stokes. He's going to have to get opportunities with some premier guys because they need to get looks at this guy. But with Christian Watson, I believe going to be out for a while. I do wonder if Dobbs can push his way into a pretty big role on this team. I guess the biggest question I have, though, is then in terms of function. Because if you look at the way they had a structure before with Devontae, MVS, and Randall Cobb, even the way Detroit has it, where you got your ex- you got this field stretcher on the other side. You got your slot guy. Well, Dobbs isn't really a field stretcher. I mean, you can call him that, but he's, he's not. So I guess it would be kind of similar to what you had when it was Devontae and Lazard, whereas Dobbs is now the new Lazard. And maybe that would be the case. So the new offense would essentially be Lazard is Devontae. Christian Watson is MVS. Romeo Dobbs is Alan Lazard. Randall Cobb is Randall Cobb. Amari Rogers is Amari Rogers. Sammy Watkins is kind of the odd man out here. But essentially, that I, I think, and I think that would be the competition because Romeo Dobbs 
and Sammy Watkins, if you ask just from that standpoint, what type of player, what type of wide receiver do you think they are? I think they both are Alan Lazard. And now that Alan Lazard is no longer Alan Lazard, which I do believe is the case, I think those two are in direct competition. And I understand Sammy's got some speed and we can talk about, well, he can be a field stretcher and all that. I just don't think that's the case anymore. I don't think that's the style he is. I don't think he has quite the speed anymore. And again, one of the best run blocking wide receivers in football. He's a big, physical, strong type of guy, which also would kind of speak highly of Christian Watson insofar as he doesn't have a lot of competition. They are looking for an MVS and who's this competition for the next MVS? It's him. He's the guy. He's, he is the next MVS. So I don't think he has a whole lot of competition. Uh, likewise, on the defensive line, it seems pretty set in stone right now. Jerron Reed, Kenny Clark, Dean Lowry. Um, I have some concerns about Devontae Wyatt wanting him to be more prominent, but I don't think he falls behind the twos, and I don't think anybody that's in the threes is going to come into the. So I think it's pretty well set in stone that the number twos would be Jack Heflin, TJ Slate, and Devontae Wyatt. I'm not 100% about Heflin. Maybe Devontae Wyatt takes a step into the ones sooner than later, or I should say at some point. But again, kind of feels straightforward to me. And so again, a lot of this is exciting and there's all these new, all this news and everything, but most of this feels pretty straightforward. The pass rushers, obviously Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith. Apparently it is um, Ladarius Hamilton and Tippa as edge twos. And so with Garvin coming back, that means three would be Garvin and Inagbar which would leave Kobe Jones and Chauncey Manick as that number four. The, the only question is, where does Randy Ramsey slot into this? But otherwise, it's pretty well set in stone. Inside linebacker, Quay Walker and Devondre Campbell. After that is Chris Barnes. After that, you got Ty Summers and McDuffie kind of battling it out for that next spot. And then you got Wilborn and Ellis Brooks. Corner, we know what that is. It's Stokes, Jair, Douglas in the slot. We heard Shamar Jean Charles is kind of next in line after that. I don't really know, but whatever. Safety, you got Savage and Amos. Some question about whether it's Vernon Scott or Sean Davis after that, but it kind of seems like those two are in competition for the number three job. And then after that, again, kind of wide open. So the wide receiver thing is interesting. There isn't a whole lot else that's super interesting to me other than wanting, hoping for some guys to kind of take over. I hope Sean Ryan slash Zach Tom fight their way into a spot just because it means that we improved. Because I know what we have in Royce Newman and John Runyon. And I'll accept it if that's what it is. But if somebody happens to be better and wins that job, of course, that's a good thing. Uh, Devontae Wyatt, I want him to win not just because I want Devontae Wyatt, but I want somebody better than Jerron Reed, because I don't think Jerron Reed is all that great of a defensive tackle. So if Devontae Wyatt takes Jerron Reed's job, that's a good thing. Um, And Agbar, same thing. Jack Coco, I'm rooting for him. Why? I don't know anything about him, because I want him to be better than the long snapper we had last year. But I still feel like more so than in previous years, this kind of seems pretty straightforward to me. Offensive line pretty, seems pretty straightforward. Quarterback, tight end, running back, pass rusher, inside linebacker, defensive tackle, safety and corner. Pretty straightforward. But there's plenty of time for people to uh, make a splash. We got to have some people return and just confirm some of these things, right? You know, once, once Tunyon comes back, is it the way we thought it was going to be? Once Bakhtiari and Jenkins come back, does that change something else on this offensive line possibly? Are we sure Royce goes back into right guard? And then the, the other really interesting one, and, and again, it doesn't really matter because it's Jones and Dylan, but when Kylan Hill comes back, where does he end up? Is he just slot right back into that number three job, or is it kind of wide open? Because it feels wide open to me. But um, we'll continue to keep an eye on it. I don't think there's a training camp. I think it's two days and then a day off, so there will not be one today. 
Mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com.